Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's Skill Collector podcast with as a topic how to live for a very long time. Now, I'm going to kick off with some of the boring stuff, and this is the stuff you already know. You know, eat healthy, exercise, sleep well. But we're going to delve into that a tiny bit more because, as it turns out, exercise is actually not as important as um, as it is done in a stereotypical way. It actually, it turns out that people who live very long don't actively, intensely exercise, but do things like go for long walks on Sundays, and you know, I guess the whole take the stairs thing does sort of make sense. But this is more of a long-term kind of thing. Um, on the topic of food. It's what we discussed in the last podcast, low GI foods, slow foods, um, stereotypically whole grains, um, no sugars, or at least as little as possible. And these people do sleep very well as well. Okay, now, lovely, that's the boring stuff. That's not what I want want, want to talk about with you right now. Uh, Because the last podcast I mentioned that not eating or skipping breakfast can actually be a very good idea. And yet again, oh, the second podcast in a row where my friends will start rolling their eyes. Why? Well, you know, I do not eat before 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Why in the world would I do that? Well, to live longer, focus better, and be resistant to certain diseases. <sighs> now, those are very bold statements and make absolutely no sense. So let me explain that to you for a second. Um, this all starts with an experiment done to a substance called resveratrol. Now, we mentioned in the last podcast as well that alcohol actually helps you to live longer. Again, women, one to two glasses a day, men, two to three. Um, and specifically, this is the case for red wine. Now, one of the things that people hypothesize is that the whole red wine thing is because of a substance called resveratrol. Now, resveratrol is a substance that changes parts of the DNA in your body that are being used. It's also a strong antioxidant, but right now the whole antioxidant thing is under a bit of discussion. Um, It turns out that the resveratrol, when it's in your blood, activates a gene group called SIRT1, the sirtuins. Now, you know, you really don't have to start thinking about what in the world that means. Basically, that means longer life. The more deeper effects we'll go into uh, a little later when we're talking about intermittent fasting. But for one, resveratrol. Resveratrol activates that gene group, which helps you live longer. In fact, what they did was they gave this to mice. And they gave it to obese mice and non-obese mice. And as it turns out, if you give it to obese mice, they actually have a pretty low incidence of heart disease and actually live as long as the athletic mice. Now, that sounds very exciting to a lot of people. So right now it's a topic of very intense research, and there's actually people trying to make medicines out of this for cardiovascular disease and living longer, etc. I personally think that they're sort of barking up the wrong tree. Um, Why, I'll go into in a second. Uh, so, so so that's the, the initial starting point of why you shouldn't be eating most of the day. Now, what in the world does resveratrol have to do with eating? Well, the link, once you get it, is actually quite simple. Not eating, something called caloric restriction or intermittent fasting, two protocols to do the same, do the same as resveratrol in the respect that they activate the SIRT1 gene group. Um... Now, one of the options is caloric restriction, or dietary restriction, or whatever you want to call it. The downside of that is, is that you're going to have to be slightly hungry um, all day. Uh, these, these kind of diets are called low-calorie diets and even very low-calorie diets. Now, I'm not talking about not eating that piece of pie. 
I'm talking about eating salad with some shavings of nuts and maybe some cheese as a treat. Now, to me, being a guy who likes eating a lot and preferably also likes a tiny tad of muscle mass, I mean, I don't need to go all James on this whole thing, but um, that doesn't sound particularly good to me. So there's another option called intermittent fasting. Now, what that does is basically you do not eat all day except for an eight-hour window. And within that eight-hour window, you can eat like a beast for all we care. The part that matters is that when you do not eat, your body will be going into a fasting state. What happens in the fasting state are two things, a long-term and short-term effect. The short-term effect is like switching from sprinter metabolism to marathon metabolism. Your body switches from a carbohydrate-based kind of metabolism onto a fatty acid-based metabolism. What does that in practice mean? It means you will not have many ups and downs in energy level. You actually, it, it takes a while to, to get the whole thing started, unless you've been doing this for a long time as I have. And then you will not have the lows during the day that are generally associated with having lunch. You know, after lunch dip and that kind of stuff. None of that. The advantage is also that you can concentrate for very long periods at a time. And, well, I don't know in your line of work, but for me that comes in quite handy. So, that's the, that's the short-term effect. On long-term effect, what it'll do is it'll activate that previously mentioned gene group, SIRT1. Now, the benefits of that are just out of this world. I have a lovely little diagram in front of me, which you can look up on www.intermittentfaster.com. Um, for one, in the central nervous system, so that's your brain, that's your brain connecting to the rest of your body, um, it does something called neuroprotection. Sounds, again, very fancy. I love throwing these words around. Um, but basically what that means is that your nerves are more resistant to stress. And with stress, I don't mean stressing about, you know, the, the way you would if you have a deadline or something, though that also, uh, but more oxidative stress, stress physically on your body. So stress is anything that would mess with its normal function. Um, in your circulation, you have reduced levels of insulin and insulin-like growth factor 1 also known as IGF-1. Now that lowering of IGF-1 also causes a lengthening in the lifespan. That's also one of the reasons that, for example, people who live so long eat the low GI foods because that um, causes a reduced level of insulin and IGF-1. Now I could go read up all these effects, but for me the most interesting ones are the neuroprotection, the insulin, and uh, cell survival. So you have some sort of, so you have um, DNA protective uh, effects. And that neuroprotection comes with a side effect of being protected marginally against certain things called like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Now, this experiment, these experiments are all experimental, all right? I'm just reading from academic articles here. It is real science, but there haven't been any very long-term studies on humans. Uh, on animals has been done, and the effects are quite substantial. But, you know, go do your own research. Don't believe me, as usual. So in essence, what the intermittent fasting does, it creates a stress response. Um, now that sounds bad, but really it's not. What happens is your body starts preparing itself as if it has to defend itself against types of stress. Stress being suffer from the environment, um, increased cortisol, adrenaline, uh, too little food. And what that does basically is it puts your body in a very protected state, which means it's protected against things like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, some types of cancer and cardiovascular disease. Uh, but since there's no actual stress, all you're really doing is raising your body's defenses. 
And does this exhaust your body, which is what some people ask me? Well, no, it does not. That's the simple answer I have. Um, so, yeah, so if you want to live longer, either take this respiratory supplement or if you don't like taking supplements and like larger effects, uh, go for the intermittent fasting. Why larger effects with intermittent fasting? Well, resveratrol is broken down in the body's bloodstream very quickly, uh, specifically by the liver. And since anything you eat first goes through your liver, that means that very little resveratrol is actually available to your body. Now, this is all experimental on the short term. How, what about the long term? There's this guy called Raymond Kurzweil who's, um, who predicts something called the singularity, in which he says that we have to start human enhancements to understand our own technology, and he thinks that immortality is actually really close. So one quick look at the possibilities of what would be possible in the near future. One, 3D printed organs. Sounds creepy. Well, not to me, but it's what people told me. And this is not something new. It's been on a couple of years ago on a, on a TED conference. They actually showed the kidney live and they showed the process live. Um, why is it not being used yet? Well, you know, the approval process for this kind of thing usually takes about 20 years. So what can I say? Sorry if you need a kidney. Go to the government and tell them to change this process because it's really, really annoying. Uh, so that's already sort of possible. Um, I'm sure they're going to be expanding to things like livers, hearts, whatever the body needs. Basically printed spare parts without needing to uh, cannibalize actual humans. Um, one thing I'm very excited about, which also is kind of dangerous, is retroviral therapy. What a retrovirus is, is a virus, like the flu, which infects you, and the DNA in it is built into your genetic code. So in theory, if you would make a retrovirus with a piece of a glowing jellyfish, you would have glowing humans. What's the point of glowing humans? Nothing, except for that it would be cool. But what you can do also is stuff like enhance people's telomeres, just as a, as a random thought, which would make cells sort of immortal, which could make you sort of immortal. Yes, any scientists listening, that would also be problematic because you'd have certain cancer things and blah, blah, blah. That's the like kinks they're working out. But that's one of the things. So a virus that reprograms you to live forever doesn't sound too bad. And then there's nanobots. That's tiny, 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 tiny robots that will be secreted throughout your body and can perform pretty much any function. They can help your immune system, make your brain clever, make your bones stronger. It'll all depend on what they're programmed to do. But this stuff is still so experimental that I haven't come across anything that is remotely operational. So, little recap. Live healthy. Move. Walk. You can do sports, that's entirely fine, but it's also been found that in large populations who live long, they don't do intense sports, but they just walk around a lot. Um, eat well, eat your omega-3 fatty acids. If you want to go extreme, do dietary structure intermittent fasting. If you don't have the self-discipline, buy a little jar of resveratrol and go munch on those. And in the future, people are going to be printing spare parts for, well, you, and reprogram your genetics. And before people start freaking out, no, that's not a bad thing. It's not unethical. And if you think that's the case, send me an email. We're going to have a lovely discussion. Hell, we could even do a podcast together. And lastly, nanobots will be incredibly epic. So hope to see you tomorrow. If you enjoy this stuff, then register to the iTunes link or follow me on Twitter.